from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. Always searching for solutions and not afraid to take risks. He's, a, he's an endless entrepreneur. He's high energy, upbeat, always looking for the next opportunity, always looking for the next way to do better. Meet one of the finalists for Top Producer of the Year, as we remember a longtime advocate for agriculture. Bill brought the heart of a farmer, the work ethic of a farmer to everything he did. California endures mudslides, flooding, and heavy snow. This is our sack feed barn, which actually flipped from the wind over our fence. The latest as an emergency is declared in Southern California, right now on Ag Day. Ag Day, presented by Pioneer. What's next happens when blood, sweat, and tears meet rain, wind, and sun. Pioneer, what's next happens here. Good morning, I'm Clinton Griffiths, and atmospheric rivers continuing to bring torrential rains and flooding to California. And the state's ag sector is facing mounting challenges along with uncertainties with the storm threatening crops, soil health, and water management. Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom declaring a state of emergency for eight counties in Southern California, including two of California's top agricultural counties, Ventura and San Diego. As Mike Valerio reports, people in the state are facing mudslides and evacuations. This is Los Angeles on Tuesday. Raging rivers swollen by flooding. Around 30 million people are under threat of flooding in Southern California, Arizona, and Nevada. It's February 6th, and 75% of the rain LA usually gets in a year has already fallen. Now the ground is oversaturated and giving way. LA fire officials report more than 300 mudslides so far. Some motorists recording huge mounds of debris flowing on a major highways. Other roads are submerged, like here in the San Fernando Valley, where one man waved down rescuers from the top of his car. Uh, and harrowing moments for a man who jumped into the fast-moving Los Angeles River to save his dog on Monday. First responders used a helicopter to lower down a rescuer. Fire officials say both man and dog were pulled out safely and are doing okay. The storm system also brought snow and strong winds to the Sierra Nevada mountains, causing chaos for many travelers and property owners. This is our sack feed barn, which actually flipped from the wind over our fence and took out the business's boats next to us. Officials in Butte County, north of Sacramento, have issued an emergency proclamation to bring in more resources as they and most of the state face a long cleanup ahead. In Los Angeles, I'm Mike Valerio reporting for Ag Day. We want to check in again this morning with meteorologist Matt Engelbrecht for the latest on the storm. Matt, moisture is continuing to pour in from the Pacific. Yeah, the pattern overall, it is shifting and it is changing. Unlike last week where everything was blacked, uh, blocked up uh, across the United States, uh, we are now starting to see us change over to a more typical pattern we'd see this time of year. Being said, there's still a lot of rain, a lot of moisture uh, off on the West Coast that is uh, impacting parts of LA nearly a foot, if not more, of rainfall. Multiply that by two, possibly even three in the higher elevations as snow. Now this is Thursday at two o'clock in the morning. I stop it there because you see a big ridge, big bump in the temperatures in and across the Midwest and the Southeast, while a 
tailing trough starts to develop back out to the west. The timing on this that kind of hinges on just how strong this ridge becomes and how easily it is able to move off the east coast. So by 9 o'clock in the morning, we don't get a deep trough digging in and across the United States. Rather, it kind of flattens out, and that's going to allow a few clipper systems to move in and across parts of Minnesota, Wisconsin, uh, as well as the Midwest. And if you've ever taken a drive in California, this is the road you use to take a scenic drive, the Pacific Coast Highway. But officials were forced to close the road in several areas on Monday due to the atmospheric river hitting the state. There was flooding, rock slides, down power lines along several stretches of the road. Even some of the road completely washed away. Crews are now working to get it back open. And the wild weather isn't just contained to California. Parts of China are at a standstill during one of the most treasured times of the year, the Lunar New Year. Cars are stuck and some highways look like parking lots due to heavy snowfall. People are doing whatever they can to chip away the ice-covered pavement. One man telling a reporter his six-hour drive was taking more than 24 hours. Some travelers have been left without food and water. U.S. Treasury officials are in China right now meeting with leadership in Beijing, with Chinese officials expressing concern about U.S. tariffs. The Chinese Finance Ministry saying the tariffs and sanctions are set up to, quote, suppress Chinese companies. The ministry adding both sides had in-depth, frank, pragmatic, and constructive talks about their economies and policies, and they agreed to continue to maintain communications. Reuters reports that China's vice premier and the U.S. Treasury Undersecretary for International Affairs also had a separate meeting. Crews report they have cleared a creek in Virginia that turned white over the weekend after a spill involving a dairy plant. The Lynchburg Fire Department sharing these pictures of what the Lynchburg Creek looked like on Saturday. Firefighters called to the scene soon discovered it was due to a clogged drain line at the nearby Westover Dairy, causing an undetermined amount of waste milk to be accidentally dumped into the nearby creek. Now they say the line was cleared and the overflow was stopped. State and local water resource officials were notified, but they say there was no public health threat. Farm sentiment continues to trend lower, according to the latest ag economy barometer from Purdue University and the CME Group. The January index falling eight points to 106 as producers continue to sour on the outlook of their farm's current situation. Now the index for current conditions and for future expectations also falling this month compared to December 2023. The surveyors say anticipated lower farm income in 24 is driving the increasing negativity. When we ask producers about their biggest concerns for the upcoming year, there's been a bit of a shift to take place as we've progressed through 2023 into early 2024. This month, 28% of the producers in the survey said their number one concern is the risk of lower crop and or livestock prices, which matched the percentage for the first time of those choosing higher input costs as their top concern. More producers also saying now is a bad time to make large investments due to an uncertain outlook for farm profitability. A champion of agriculture has passed away. We learned of the passing of Bill Northey on Monday. Northey served three years as USDA's first undersecretary for farm production and conservation starting in 2018. Before that, he served as Iowa's secretary of agriculture for more than 11 years. He most recently was the CEO of the Agribusiness Association of Iowa, which announced his passing, calling him a tireless advocate for agriculture and a beloved leader. 
Iowa's governor, Kim Reynolds, calling Northey a great leader whose work ethic and passion for Iowa agriculture was unmatched. American Farm Bureau Federation President Zippy Duvall saying, quote, agriculture has lost a champion whose life's work was dedicated to improving the livelihoods of farmers and ranchers across our great country, adding he was a tireless advocate and insightful leader. Now, Iowa's current Secretary of Ag saying he was shocked by the news of Northey's unexpected passing. Bill brought the heart of a farmer, the work ethic of a farmer to everything he did. And, and I always appreciated the fact that that's, that's how he viewed his, his time as Secretary of Agriculture was in that, in that lens and certainly his time at USDA also as he really worked to oversee the farmer facing the, the customer service side of USDA. And Bill Northey was 64 years old. Soybeans pushed higher for a second straight session while cattle gained back some of Monday's losses. Ag Day's Michelle Rook dives into the numbers and markets now. Well, a mixed day in the markets on Tuesday. Sean Hackett is with us. And Sean, I want to talk about soybeans first. We did see some follow through after the reversal on Monday. Is it all short covering at this point, though? Look, we're going to have these waves of short covering given how short the funds are right now. We have a report coming out tomorrow from the USDA. Yeah, they're going to make some new comments about South American production. It seemed like a reasonable time for some shorts to cover just in case, you know, the USDA throws some bullish fuel on the fire, which we haven't seen in quite some time. Meanwhile, corn was not able to follow soybeans, wheat, or a higher day in the crude oil market. So why was that? Well, we're just not at the same level. We're just starting to plant the safrina corn crop down there. We're not likely to get any adjustments to the corn crop down there. You know, there's just, you know, I just don't think they're that, you know, in, in soybeans with the harvesting it, there's harvest pressure. We're getting to 20%. We're starting, you know, there's reasons that that soybeans could see some kind of a post-harvest rally. With with corn, we're still planting. It's hard to get the corn market excited while we're planting the crop down there. No doubt. We did close below the 440 support area. We did hold the contract low. You know, we've been in a pretty narrow trading range. Do we stay that way going forward or not? I think so. You know, it, it's almost like the cotton market. We were for, you know, the cotton market for months was just, just, you know, it looks like the corn market's got into this spot where, you know, unless there's something really big to knock it one way or the other, I think we're going to be stuck in a, in a tight trading range until there's a reason for it to change. Tuesday, new highs for the move in both live and feeder cattle futures. Is this all driven by fundamentals or are the funds piling back in here? A report that we got out uh, last week that showed that our numbers keep falling. We're not really heard rebuilding. And it reminded everybody that, you know, on the supply side, at least, we have a long period where those animals and that supply is gonna be tight. And it was a reason for some short covering on the funds that had gotten pretty bared up here. Um, and, and, and a reason that maybe, you know, the, the, the funds just recalibrated what they were doing. Having said that, this mid 180s on live and these mid 240s on the feeders, is a 50% retrace of the rally. Oftentimes, that's a stumbling block to any kind of a rally after a big decline. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Sean Hackett, Hackett Financial Advisors, where Ag Day's coming up. To contact Sean at Hackett Financial Advisors, email him at sean at hackettadvisors.com or visit the website, www.hackettadvisors.com. It's like revisiting this map, give you an idea where that snow 
has come down, but more importantly, where that snowpack, the snow depth has shrunk over the last seven to 10 days. Uh, very clearly up through Wisconsin, Minnesota, as well as back into the Dakotas, even Montana is starting to see that snowpack shrink. It's not until you get up to the higher elevations uh, that you get back into the foot even more, especially down here towards California. See all the white there. Now that's pushing 36 inches, three feet. Let me point that out. Three feet uh, of snowfall in some of the higher elevations. As we go back here towards the east, though, it takes until uh, parts of the northeast where you start to see that snowpack return. So what's going on with this jet stream? So we're starting to see more of the ridge trough uh, train developing, you know, which would take us back to a typical pattern for this time of year, where you have a ridge develop that moves off and a trough streams in. At the surface, that allows low pressure systems to develop and we can draw in cold air. You combine that with some moisture and you get snow. Second half of February looks like we're going to kind of turn back to this kind of pattern. Uh, but like I mentioned earlier, it all hinges on this ridge. The stronger this ridge becomes, the harder it is for troughs to dig south. So instead of getting these deep cutting troughs, we get shallow and cold air kind of sinking rather than surging through. Now, so by Tuesday and even into Wednesday of next week, it's going to be some colder air out there, but you get a really sharp contrast between the cold air and the warm air, where the effects of that trough really aren't felt all that much uh, into the south and the southeast. In fact, looking at this, I remember this past weekend, it was flipped where the ridge was back up to the north. The trough was digging to the south. Now we're flipping that uh, back over to the north and south, more of a typical relationship. Start off in uh, New York, partly cloudy, 47 degrees. Wellsville, a low about 32. Sunnyside, Washington, high about 46, low of 28. Oxford, mostly sunny, high of 43 degrees. Focusing on sow health, we'll talk about the health of the herd coming up next. And later, building multiple ag-related businesses is an impressive feat, and it's enough to get one Iowa farmer and rancher to the finals of Top Producer of the Year. That story in the country. One data company says sow deaths in 2023 reached an all-time high. Meta Farms reports sow deaths reached 15.3% last year. Now that's up 1% from the previous year. So what can be done about it? Well, a business analyst with Meta Farms who spoke with porkbusiness.com says there isn't a magic bullet to reduce sow deaths. However, he says animal husbandry needs to be the number one focus. That includes making sure staff are properly trained, on identifying troubled animals. He also says gilts are the foundation of a sow farm and how you handle gilts is ultimately going to determine your long-term success with the sows. For more on this story, head over to porkbusiness.com. China's Lunar New Year is a big celebration and pork should be in high demand, but Bloomberg says this year demand is sluggish. As we've reported, pork demand in China has been slow for months, but Bloomberg says its continued weakness ahead of the most important time on the Chinese calendar sends a powerful message about consumption and oversupply. It says wage declines are hitting households and that's impacting prices. One economist saying pork consumption hasn't kept up with supply since China reopened last year following COVID. Now last year, consumption fell by 1 million tons to 54 million, 
That's despite numbers released last month showing China's pork production last year expanded to its highest level in nine years. Experts aren't expecting pork prices to rise until at least September. Farmers are often experts in a host of different disciplines. Up next, we'll meet a Western Iowa producer with plenty of irons in the fire and vying for the title of Top Producer of the Year. This week at Top Producer Summit, three of the nation's top farmers are being honored for their work and one will be named the 2024 Top Producer of the Year. Now today, we meet the first of those finalists, Western Iowa's Kelly Garrett. Finding the calm in the midst of chaos just may be Kelly Garrett's specialty. A friend explained to me that there's a difference between the finite game and the infinite game. And I didn't even know what he meant, but what he explained to me was, you're playing the infinite game where there isn't an end goal, you're just always trying to improve and get better, and every time you see an opportunity, you take a look at it. A farmer and cattle producer in Western Iowa, thanks to Kelly, this operation continues to conquer change. From the 750 acres of crops and 35 cows when Kelly and his wife Amber started farming back in 1998, to the 7,000 acres and 700 head of cattle today. But along with that, there's other entities, Garrett Trucking, uh, KSX Transportation is a, another trucking company that we're the majority owners of. Kelly's constantly uncovering new opportunities, including the decision to help start Integrated Ag Solution, a fertility company that sprouted from extreme ag. Kelly and the entire operation is in constant motion. Just ask his wife, Amber. One time he promised me to sell, we were gonna sell calves so we wouldn't have to deal with cows in the winter. And so I didn't think we had any. And the neighbors called and said, your cows are out. And I said, we don't have any. <laughs> but we did. <laughs> it's a family dynamic that works. Starting when Kelly came back home to farm, instantly full of ideas and how the farm could change. And after a while, like I said, uh, I said, Kelly, let's just farm next year because he was always wanting to do something else, you know, or try something, you know, and, but that never took hold. The operation has 75 employees today. And as Kelly continues to lead, he gives others room to grow. One of his biggest things in, in about Kelly is he trusts. He will put you in a role. And, uh, and I tell everybody, he makes that bubble big enough for you to grow, but not too big so you, you'll never fail. You'll make mistakes, but there's no, there's no risk of failing. Kelly also made it possible for his three sons to come back to the family farm. He's, a, he's an endless entrepreneur. He's high energy, upbeat, always looking for the next opportunity, always looking for the next way to do better. If Kelly wasn't busy enough, July 1st of 2023, they bought the gas station in town fuel they also use for their trucking business. And that's just across the street from this. GLC Beef, a direct-to-consumer beef business. The idea for GLC Beef was actually the dream of their middle son, Colin, who majored in animal science at Iowa State. We decided to do this about Christmas time of his junior year of college. But in July, the Garretts faced the unimaginable. When, at just 22 years old, Colin died in an accident, and the entire family had to find a way to keep moving forward. For the first few days after the accident, I contemplated shutting it down, but that, that's a given up. I won't give up. This, this has to succeed because it's like he's still here. 
Signs and memories of Colin are everywhere at GLC Beef. Now Kelly wants to make him proud and leave a lasting impact on others. And that's probably one of Kelly's best attributes of, of being a person is the way he looks at people and wants them to be better than what they are. Congratulations to Kelly Garrett and the Garrett family on being a finalist for the 2024 Top Producer of the Year. All right, and we'll introduce you to another finalist tomorrow. And that's all the time we have this morning. We're sure glad you tuned in from all of us here at Ag Day. I'm Clinton Griffiths. Have a great day.